0: Those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it, or at least the famous quote says. And although that saying is over a hundred years old, I think it still holds true today in every aspect of the world, from serious pandemic complications two fortune 500 companies launching brand new game consoles and as we are on the cusp of a new gaming generation i think it's time to see if over 20 years of developing testing marketing and selling consoles can help microsoft emerge the victor when this generation is over seven or eight years from now so how did microsoft even get to this position as a company that developed operating systems and productivity programs Microsoft didn't want to make a venture into console gaming on their own. Instead, they wanted to partner with Sony to collaborate using their combined expertise in gaming and technology. Now, Sony, having been recently scorned by Nintendo about partnering, wanted nothing to do with Microsoft. And Bill Gates was very concerned that the gaming consoles would take over as the home PC, endangering their position and felt necessary that they enter the gaming market. Microsoft, with their vast experience in tech, understood what a monumental task that it was and didn't even want to produce the Xbox in-house. Microsoft courted many different manufacturers and pleaded with them to create the Xbox. But no one was interested because they understood the costs associated with this endeavor. After Microsoft was unsuccessful at finding a suitor to build the Xbox, they took the project on internally, and in 2001, launched the Direct Xbox, which would become to known commercially as the Xbox. This is the Video Games Podcast, and this week, we're going to take a retrospective look at how the last three generations have unfolded between Microsoft and Sony, and right after the break, we will start with the Xbox and the PS2. When the original Xbox released, PlayStation was already on their second hardware iteration. The PlayStation 2 had been available for almost a year, and it was already a smash hit. The PlayStation 2 also embraced the emerging technology that was DVD, the first true successor to VHS since it launched in the 70s. The cost of a DVD player around that time was about the same price as a PlayStation, and Sony easily sold a few extra systems to people who would only use it for the movie functionality. Releasing almost a full year after the PlayStation 2, with the speed the technology was advancing near the crest of the millennium, the Xbox was significantly more powerful. Not only was the console more powerful in almost every category, it included a hard drive, Dolby, and Ethernet, and all features were built right in and all features were previously unheard of in home consoles. It wasn't all better as the original Xbox did come with a DVD drive, but also for legal reasons with Dolby, it required an adapter in the form of an IR blaster and an awkwardly small remote to make playback work and at the cost of an extra $20 or so. When the dust settled, Microsoft only shipped around 25 million units compared to what would become the gold standard for console success with over 150 million units sold for the PlayStation 2. I think Microsoft learned a few things from its initial console battle, including the benefit of having a killer app with Halo Combat Evolve. Now, system-selling launch software is similar to a shooting star in its rarity. There have been a few systems that launched with the game that sold consoles, but if not for Halo, I think there's a good chance that Microsoft wouldn't even be around today. Xbox did have the issue of software quantity and quality, however the biggest lessons from this generation was that power alone is not going to be the answer, and launching a console a year after the competition immediately puts you at a disadvantage. When Microsoft launched the original Xbox in 2001, they were already a year behind the PlayStation 2, which also had the benefit of creating a library of games over the first year and then constantly building on this lead. By the end of the cycle, the PlayStation 2 had almost 4,000 games compared to around 1,000 for the original Xbox. And Microsoft knew that it needed a fresh start and launched the 360 just four short years after the original Xbox. And considering that the 360 launched a full year ahead of the PlayStation 3, the technical specs were fairly similar, which is quite impressive for the Xbox, based on how quickly technology was evolving during the early 2000s. Microsoft lost plenty of money on the original Xbox, but they had no choice unless they priced it at $299, they needed to compete with the PlayStation 2. The Xbox 360 launched at $399, which was more than its predecessor, but helped the company lose less early on. Sony on the other hand launched the PS3 at a staggering $599. This incurred a much greater loss per console than Microsoft did, but both of these companies understand that the systems are lost leaders and the major reason that the ps3 was priced so high was because it was once again embracing new technology with a blu-ray drive microsoft unfortunately embraced the competition by offering a standalone hd dvd player but as we know within a few years that lost the battle and blu-ray was the only option on the market Sadly, Microsoft and the Xbox 360 were not able to outsell the PS3 by the end of the era, though many think it did. A major problem was that the Xbox 360 didn't have a Blu-ray player, which was quickly becoming the new normal. Sony also had the added value with its free online play when compared to the Xbox Live membership that had to be purchased. Finally, the Xbox 360 was able to close the gap this generation with similar amounts of software with around 1200 titles compared to the 1400 for the PS3, but what it did lack was exclusive which became very apparent by the end of the era. The PlayStation 3 shined with exclusive games with experiences for everyone, including franchises like The Last of Us, Uncharted, Demon's Souls, God of War: Ascension, Gran Turismo, Heavy Rain, Infamous, Killzone, Little Big Planet, Metal Gear Solid 4, Resistance, and Ratchet and Clank. With many of these franchises having multiple entries on the PS3. Microsoft might not have paid much attention to it at the time due to how close the race was, combined with their venture into Kinect, but ultimately their focus on the gaming-adjacent Kinect and taking their focus off exclusives would be an unwise decision moving forward. The Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 shipped 8 years after the release of the 360, making it one of the longest generations of modern gaming. The recession in 2008 was one of the worst the world had ever seen at the time, with the economic decline nearing that of the Great Depression of 1929. With North America playing such a vital role in video gaming, developing and rushing new consoles to market just didn't make sense for either company. I think Microsoft might have learned the wrong lesson with how Sony saw great success with the PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 3 based on their inclusion of the DVD drive and the Blu-ray drive by thinking that consumers wanted a unified media experience. Unfortunately, Microsoft went all in on this idea and began marketing the Xbox One as the center of the living room. For the Xbox One, Microsoft wanted to be everything to everyone that it forgot about being something for someone in particular. The hardcore gamer was forgotten about as Microsoft tried to embrace the living room instead of higher quality games and exclusives. The casual gamer was abandoned as the price of the Xbox One was about 25% higher than the PS4 due to its inclusion of the Kinect 2.0. This strategy did not pay off as many felt the Kinect either invaded privacy or didn't offer gaming experiences that weren't gimmicky. Microsoft was also championing used games not working on the system. Potential customers were either bothered or confused by Microsoft's messaging. And first impressions are hard to change as some people still think Xbox can't play used games or requires a Kinect. The other major problem that the Xbox One had at the beginning of the generation was that it was slightly underpowered when compared to the PlayStation 4. With the specs very similar on both systems, the processing power was clearly mismanaged because early on, graphical comparison videos exposed the Xbox One as the inferior system. Phil Spencer has acknowledged that the Xbox One was in the wrong position on price and power and both of these are major issues that plagued the Xbox One. The other major glaring issue was the lack of exclusive games that started to become a problem during the 360 era. Microsoft has tried to remedy this by creating two studios and purchasing eight more over the course of the Xbox One, including some high-level talent including Mojang, Ninja Theory, and Double Fine. And understanding that these studios would take some time before Xbox can see a return on investment, they also created Game Pass, which is a fantastic service that offers great value for gamers. Essentially, Xbox has lost all three generations to PlayStation, and as bad as losing can be, Microsoft did pretty well in its own right every single generation and learned valuable lessons along the way, and these lessons, they can hopefully take these and give them the edge for the first time in 20 years. With the original Xbox, power means nothing if you don't have the games to take advantage and you can't release a year after the competition. The Xbox 360 showed Microsoft that being the cheaper and earlier console doesn't always make the difference as you still need to provide the consumer with added value in exclusive games and services. And finally, with the Xbox One, Microsoft learned that gamers want exclusive games and they want the best system for the price. If you are priced higher than the competition then you better have the technology to justify it as the PlayStation 3 did with the inclusion of the Blu-ray. Microsoft learned multiple times with the Xbox One that people are happy to pay for a premium product as long as it has the quality. The cost of the Xbox Elite controller was almost triple the price of the standard controller, but it was built very well and offered premium benefits. Now, not only did it sell well enough to be considered a success, but Microsoft followed it up with the Xbox Elite 2.0. Microsoft also doubled down on this premium theory with the introduction of the Xbox One X, a mid-cycle refresh offering that played all the same games as a launch Xbox One could, but just offered some premium features that people opted to pay for. With 20 years of knowledge and quickly approaching holiday 2020, can Microsoft finally take what it has learned and turn the tide this generation with the release of the Xbox Series X? that is where we will put a pin in this conversation for now i hope you enjoyed it i hope you learned something and i hope you're as big of a fan as both xbox and sony as i am i always love seeing the competition between these two companies and how they are constantly pushing each other towards greatness if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast then please consider subscribing if you haven't already and please remember that gaming is a great form of escapism and enjoyment for most so be nice to your fellow gamer and more importantly be nice to your fellow human.